Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman. I'm here with the other hosts of the show, Brandon McCullough and Matt Basta. How are you guys? Doing alright, man. feel a little formal now, saying our full names and everything. Well, yeah, what is been, this? You're trying to reveal our identities? <laughs> it. I mean, seriously, we have every time we start the show in like the past like five to ten episodes, it's like, hi, we're back. And nobody, if you're a new listener, you have no idea who we are. So I figured I thought hey, you just redub all that audio with our with our proper names. Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to do. The almost better than silence guarantee. <laughs> we just need a standard in intro from us is be like hey everybody and then just put it for every every intro <laughs> <laughs> it'll start off like hey everybody welcome to the episode and then it cuts off us real and just like uh uh god i don't want uh guys this is terrible <laughs> like just hung over or sick or something like the energy immediately drops but how are you guys Meh. doing all right not not too terrible yeah, we're in the middle of uh, April here. Oh, shit. We have some exciting news. I keep for- almost forgetting to... Uh, we're going to have to announce this. I don't know if we want to save it or what. That was so unexpected. Like, oh, crap, guys. God damn <laughs> Every tuning is like, what? What do we do? Oh, man. But seriously, we do have some exciting news. Should I just go news. for it? Yeah, just say it. All right, so seeing how... Uh, we're Matt- getting a puppy. Yeah, we're <laughs> getting a puppy! Yeah! No. Oh, man. His name's Leonard. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but no, uh, seriously, we seeing how Matt uh, decided to start a secondary podcast, Almost Better Than Dragons, and we're, we're, we just have this idea that we wanted to start a podcasting network of sorts. Um, we want to be able to provide our listeners with more options and different shows to listen to and a variety of different entertainment to find on our website. So that being said, there was a couple candidates and we're working with different people. And it turns out that, um, the press continue podcast is actually going to be joining the almost better network. And we're going to be listing their episodes on our website in the near future. Yay. No, so it, it, it is really valuable for us to, to sort of build out a network and, and a lot of, a lot of other podcasts sort of do the same thing where, you know, you'll, you'll hear at the end sort of an outro and they'll talk about like Radiotopia or Max Fun or, um, Earwolf. Yeah. Then there's tons of them. And really, I mean, it, <laughs> I was telling one of my coworkers today and they're like, Oh yeah, it's like a web ring. And I was like, yes, yes, it is. It is. A, it's like a web ring, but, but for audio and also, um, not the 1990s. Um, <laughs> But no, it, it helps everybody, right? So for, for us, it helps um, sort of our mutually exclusive audiences. I mean, certainly there's a little bit of overlap, but um, especially with, with podcasting, you end up with an audience that is mostly unique, right? Like our audience probably doesn't overlap very much with the Press Continue audience. And so um, as we share each other's content, it helps everybody to sort of see some of the 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 better stuff in the community and it draws new listeners in. It brings people to content that they probably wouldn't have heard of. Um, and for our listeners, it helps because it means that instead of us spending our time drawing in new community members and, and drawing a new audience, it means that we can focus on doing more important things like producing content, upgrading our equipment, doing giveaways and fun things and not having to worry about putting up an ad on every single Facebook post we make. 
Absolutely. And not to mention Adam and Brittany, they're just really awesome people. And I, I love their show and I love what they're doing. It's, it's very similar to what we're trying to do, but with a different feel. So it's more, they do a lot of retro games and uh, card games and all sorts of like arcade games. They, they really take it down a different path. So if you're looking for a, a, a different gaming podcast, definitely I'm, I'm hoping that all of our listeners will check them out. Um, and also, you can look forward to hopefully maybe some of them appearing on our show and vice versa. Just like, and we're we're definitely going to be working together. So, look forward to that. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about ways that we can bring them on to almost better than dragons. Um, sort of ways that we can work new people and new content in. Um, it's Absolutely. exciting. It's exciting yeah. stuff. And they're actually East Coast based, so I'm not that it helps because our only West Coast is Matt. But I think yeah, some of us yeah. should be able to <laughs> should be able to meet up. I would love to do some kind of live show. That'd be great. Maybe on a Twitch feed or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so lots of exciting shit in the future and on the horizon. And we have some more really cool interviews on the way. Uh, we finally got me and Bren got around to interviewing the guys at Triangle Studio. Uh, the guy <laughs> is what I meant to say. Yeah, the guy that uh, founded the whole thing and created it. Yeah, Remco DeRoy. He was a really un- a phenomenal uh, guest, so look forward to that. Yeah, that was fun managing out the time zone difference of uh, five hours. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I was. Uh, it's funny that you say that because I was in a McDonald's parking lot on my Surface Pro recording that using the built-in microphone and everything because I was on my lunch break at work because it was the only time slot that worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as we finished the interview, nice. I ran out to work because I was already like 10 minutes late. Yeah, I was like late returning from my lunch, but I was like, it doesn't matter. It was worth it. <laughs> it was a really good interview, one of my favorites. So That was great. And we got to find out the name of the main character, and it came from Space and Ate My Brains. Yes, exactly. His name's Jerry. Who'd have thunk? Um, what else is going on? Uh, <laughs> Episode three of Almost Better Than Dragons will be coming out tomorrow. Um, if I haven't already pushed it out a little bit early. So we, we're trying to put them out every 10 days, but um, I might actually get episode three done a little bit early. So you might've already heard it. Uh, so go check that out. Sweet. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I know I've just binge watched the entire daredevil series on netflix that just came out oh christ is it good it's so good like so fucking good <laughs> nice and is this animated or uh, live action no it's live action i watched i think the first two episodes one day another episode the next day and then the next 10 episodes in one day and this is ben affleck right no no, 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 no. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> i was totally kidding but no how like how does it relate if I had to watch the Ben Affleck Daredevil again, I would probably try to recreate Daredevil by stabbing out my own eyes. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original series. I believe the main character uh, or the actor rather, was in Boardwalk Empire. I, I'm not sure what his name is, but I think that was one of his previous credits or most recent credits. Um, if anyone doesn't know, Daredevil is a Marvel superhero who loses his eyesight in an accident when he's a child and some sort of chemical spills on his eyes and it enhances all of his other senses dramatically. And it almost gives him like echolocation and he's able to sense people's heartbeats and can tell when they're lying. He can smell in one episode, he smells a guy's cologne three floors below him. Um, so he just is very enhanced 
abilities except for sight. And he just beats the living hell out of everybody. It's great. Yeah, dude, it sounds good. I'm going to have to give it a chance because, yeah, the Ben Affleck version really ruined that superhero for me. Yeah, and they also have Vincent D'Onofrio, who was from Law & Order uh, Homicide and from the Men in Black movie. He's playing Kingpin. Oh, shit. He's kind of got the Christian Bale thing going where his voice is a little odd. But besides that, he he nails it. Like, everyone in the show is perfect. Nice. I'll be ranting about it for until the next season comes out. Cool. Um, all right, well, let's talk games. And I'm going to get this ball rolling. I uh, finally got around to playing Hotline Miami. Loved it. Really fun. It was a blast. And I just started Hotline Miami 2, and already I like Hot Mi- Hotline Miami 1 better. How weird is that? I've heard a, I've heard a few people like that that really... I don't know if it's the initial all in a new environment of a whole new game or if the game is inherently worse than the first. I'll tell you what my, my beef is w- with the second one. It, the first one was a really great game, but what they sort of did with the second one is it's a lot of back and forth and back and forth and they go into the past and they go into the future and they go into the past and it's very hard to follow a timeline. And there's so many characters and they keep bringing back people from the first game and people from the second game and they introduce new characters and and just keeping track of everyone is really laborious, especially when you go from, you know, 20 years in the past, 20 years in the future, and it's the same character, but he looks completely different. And so sort of wrapping your head around that is just absurd. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh, geez. Yeah. I know. I really know nothing about the second one. I've just played the first. Well, I, I'm I'm a little bit into the second one, but just even just aesthetically, I don't like it. Something about it, it just rubs me the wrong way. Are you at least a fan of the uh, the soundtrack? Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what about the style of the first game that literally just screams it's better than the second game to me. I, I have to beat the second one, though, to give a full analysis, though. Hmm. I wonder if it's the, is does it? take place in the 80s still or like you said it's in the future yeah i mean it, it is in the past right like all of the events are in the the past at, with regard to like the current present mm-hmm. um but it it sort of has a its own definition of what the present is and it it jumps forward and backward a lot from there so you end up with stuff in like the 70s and you end up with stuff in like what, like even like the nineties almost. And you know, you keep going back and forth and back and forth. And it's, it's at least for me, it hurts my head. You know, like you, you do this really intense level and you're, you know, fucking up everybody. And there's just massive amounts of carnage. And then all of a sudden you're like in a diner and you have to like talk to a guy and there's this like very complicated and nuanced story. And then it's like right back to just raging and mutilation, right? <laughs> like it, 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 it's a lot of, sort of taking your your emotions and reflexes to extremes yeah i will say uh, for the first game like towards the end i don't know if it was the final boss or what but they pulled some real dick move like you i don't know it was there was two panthers you had to kill and then this bitch comes like flying at you and then if you manage to like throw this thing well first you got to go get this in, in like item beat the shit out of both panthers throw your item at the girl, then go bash the shit out of her head and she's dead. And as soon as, like, literally you get, like, you're tapping A to go through all the text and stuff, and the guy finishes talking to you, as soon as he finishes talking to you, he pulls out two guns and just starts 
blasting bullets. So like you literally don't even have a chance to like react. If uh, but if you died a million times doing it, then you're like, oh, well, I have to run instantly and then hide behind something. But if you don't know mm-hmm. that tactic, you're gonna die multiple times. And it's like you're you're I don't know. It's so frustrating because you're like, oh, I got this far, and it's then like very unforgiving. Yeah, exactly. That's and the reaction times on those guys are so fucking fast. Oh, it's yeah. such bullshit. <laughs> oh, dude. I, yeah. What do you, What would you say is one of your like best like kill combos? I I probably would go as far to say eight, almost ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. E- I, I doubt I've ever made it into like the double. Digit. I I don't even keep track. Like it's just one of those things where like if if I get like a huge kill combo, I don't even notice. Oh, that's understandable. It's more or less like after that, you're just like, holy shit, what's next? <laughs> I just like catch my breath, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those games get me on edge. So does It Came From Space. What the fuck? I have a story. <laughs> Wait, dude. All right. I really have to tell you this, Brent, because in our interview with Remco, you start off the episode saying, oh, I just got done playing Ep- uh, Block City on Insane and in the last wave died. I recorded me getting to wave seven on and it's and it and I died literally on like the last possible wave and it's exactly what you described and I have footage of it of me going through the same thing and I was literally on the verge of a heart attack that day it was it was unbelievable how stressed out that game got me and, and I had one heart left and I'm like running around and it was like the most intense shit I, I thought I was gonna win once I got the uh, wave six I was like fuck yeah wave six it's over and then wave seven and I shit my pants and then died. No, with that game, you can feel your blood pressure just skyrocket when I you was, lose. I was really scared for my life how, like, I I get really amped up and, like, into a game. It's, like, terrifying. I, I need to just slow down. <laughs> we should have us hooked up to a heart rate monitor and just see the exact levels and just how concerning it can be. That would give our YouTube channel a boost. <laughs> I guarantee I'm interesting in, when it comes to that. Yeah, I... But going back to Hotline Miami, I know it is incredibly unforgiving. You die just hundreds of times, maybe even on the same level, because of how fast everything reacts. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was intentional with the setting and the time placement, because it was the 80s. Everything's really colorful and loud, and music's blasting all the time, and everything's so high speed. I always assumed it was because everyone in the 80s is fueled on cocaine. And I assumed that's why everyone was moving so fast. I don't think cocaine a... actually like speeds up time. I don't... But, but <laughs> that's not how cocaine works. Well, but for your perception of it, as you know, the main character. I mean, is co- a if hitman. cocaine turned people into like fucking Superman, then people would just be on cocaine all the time, right? Like these people, like you could be on the complete opposite side of the room, and like you like bump a door, and like within millis- like tens of milliseconds, you're just dead. Like it's, it's just oh, not possible for oh, a human to react that fast. I figure the main character is a hitman, so clearly everything he does is illegal. Who's to say he's not hopped up on a bunch of stuff? So his perception on a bunch of, of downers. Seems, yeah. So his perception <laughs> of it seems like they're going fast, but in reality, they're not that fast. I mean, like if there was if there was like a little bitch mode that just slowed everything down to like normal human reaction times, I would play on that. Right, <laughs> because let's be honest, like no, nobody's that good. Nobody's that good at video games that they can like get it on the first try or like get like a a really good. Sc- like I want to feel good about myself when I'm playing it because when I when I play through a level of Hotline Miami, it takes me like two dozen, three dozen tries to like finally eke my way through, and then I get like a D minus, 
as the score at the end. And like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, game. It's it's just so unforgiving and and so unrewarding to play through it. And the only reason for me that I stick with Hotline Miami is because of the story, right? Like if it was oh just God. like munching and munching and munching through like floors of what like russian gangsters <laughs> like i i would give up that it's just it's not good matt you and i are such complete opposite gamers because yeah? when i play hotline miami i just blow through the dialogue i don't even give a fuck what's going on i'm just really? there to kill people i literally do it to kill people and then progress and i and i it doesn't bother me like dying a bunch of times but i am the kind of person that gets like a's and b's and shit though at the end and it's like fuck yeah yeah, I, I just can't get A's. I'm also bad at video games, so that <laughs> that, <laughs> that sort of yeah, also that has doesn't help. But I mean, the story for it is really fantastic. They really did a great job with the the non mechanics portion of the game. It's just if you're not like super fast, you know, MLG sort of game player, then you're just not going to have a great time playing the bulk of the game. Yeah, I can imagine that. That's why I was surprised to hear when you said the story is uh, confusing in the second one. Because I know most of Hotline Miami 1, I was able to follow it. But come towards the end of the story, I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't follow that game at all. So I can't imagine what the second one's like. Yeah, it seemed pretty ridiculous. I was like, all these fuckers in masks, like, X, X, X. (laughs) Yeah, I ended up just doing that towards the end, too. I was just like, you know what, let me just beat the boss. That's how I felt, but it's not their fault. I, that was just me. I, I have to be in the mood to actually give a shit. <laughs> and I know with um, Payday 2, the game out where you uh, rob stores and banks and such, they had Hotline Miami DLC, where they gave you a uh, new mask, like the animal mask in Hotline Miami, um, a few new weapons, and different levels, like from Hotline Miami. Nice. Yeah, that was really fun. But the final mission for the Payday 2 DLC is brutal because it's just like it's as if an entire city of cops was just raiding this penthouse floor where every wall is made of glass and they're just oh it's just brutal as hell yeah yeah but anyone who can get it i'd recommend that dlc nice yeah i'll definitely look into that myself um also i don't know did i mention this on a previous episode because if i did we don't have to go into it but i've been playing life is strange did you guys hear about that you Brought up that you had the video up. I'm not sure how much you went into it, though. Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it then. Um, I Also, th- this one's actually interesting. I, I only played it really briefly, but there's this game. It's early access called Hover Revolt of Gamers. And I was like, what the hell is this? And to me, the best description of this game is Jet Set Radio Future meets Mirror's Edge. And if that doesn't sound fucking amazing, like, I don't know what is. I'm not going to say the graphics are on par. It's more or less the graphics are on par with Jet Set Radio. (laughs) It's on par with Dreamcast. Yeah, that's what I mean. The graphics aren't anything spectacular, but... And the, the premise of this game is, if I'm not mistaken, it's like some futuristic world where, like, there's a ban on gaming or something and like you have to revolt and all this shit and the idea is you're in this group of free runners and you just run through this futuristic city like grinding on shit and doing all sorts of stuff i didn't get around to playing it that much yet but i'm really intrigued by it and that i want to at least bring it to the attention of our listeners maybe go get it if you have a chance um it looks really exciting though because i am such a jet set like fanboy it's unbelievable so this is at least me being able to in modern time be able to play something similar but different 
relive those glory days. Really, I mean, I could go back and play Jet Set Radio Future and have just as much fun. It's it's unbelievable. So I'm looking at the the Wikipedia page for Life is Strange, and it says that you can rewind time. Yeah, wait, so I, this is why I brought it up. All right, I'm going to leave that in then. So what's going on is this game is incredible, Matt. Um, it's created by Square Enix, and they're responsible for like Final Fantasy and all that kind of shit. But this this game is seriously... It's it's fucking bugging me out, man. Like, it's unbelievable. It's so strange. Uh, but uh, seriously, it's in a modern setting. You're this like twenty something, maybe eighteen, no, late teenage years, uh, high school girl who, or maybe you're in college. I don't fucking know. It seems like a high school setting because there's lockers and shit. Yeah, but it's either f- early college or late high school. Yeah. And the main character's name's Max. Uh, she seems like kind of an introverted, um, goofy, doesn't have that many friends. And I guess her backstory is she moved out of town and now came back. And in that time frame, she's lost a, a, a friend and now is being reunited with her. But the whole premise of the game is you start off in one of her dreams and it's, and she's, uh, by this lighthouse where there, there's this giant tornado and like coming to just destroy the town. And she kind of awakens and is like, is this a premonition? And eventually later in the game, uh, she runs to the bathroom to like splash water on her face. She's like, that's really creepy. And then she ends up in a situation where she's hiding in the bathroom and here's some guy come in with a gun and he ends up shooting this other girl over like, there's like some kind of drug drama or something going on. And you're like, oh my God, this guy just shot this girl. And in that moment, she like puts her arm out and is capable of rewinding time. And she finds herself back in her classroom so, and then she's like really freaking out. She's like, oh, what the fuck? And like, I have this power. And then you can use this power in class because the teacher is asking you questions like in, in class being like, oh, who founded this theory in photography or whatever? And as you answer it the first time, you probably say something like, I don't know. And then you see the other student answer it and you can rewind time and then use their answer and look good. So that's just like one of the ways you can use huh. the mechanic in the game. It's kind of like that movie next with Nicholas cage where he can like rewind time and he like saves the world from like a nuclear explosion or something. You remember that? No, I don't. That sounds interesting. That sounds like Click with Adam Sandler. Yeah, like, it's like <laughs> Click, except with Nicolas Cage and worse. Guys, yeah. guys, they're both <laughs> just terrible movies. They really are. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're really bottom of the barrel for movies. This, this was on the list of uh, movies that AJ was going to play on the plane uh, in, in Almost Better Than Dragons. <laughs> yeah, if you roll the two or a three. Let's say it's like Stein's Gate, an anime that has the same idea, but it's good. It's actually good. Oh, interesting. I'll look into that. Yeah. We won't delve too much into it. But, uh, yeah. The game, the games like that have had similar mechanics. They've had Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, which is notorious in my life for giving me shingles. They've had, I think, Blink the Cat, which was an early Xbox game that had some sort of rewinding time ability as well. But this is the first time it's sort of placed in a civilian day-to-day setting. That's that's what really gets me though because it's like almost shocking to the point where I'm like oh my god I'm actually really getting invested in these characters like it's it's too realistic I I remember at one point there's like this other bitch in class and she's like making you look bad and then there's this other interaction with her where she won't let you into the door and she's just being a super bitch and like you have the option to like get revenge or to just be a nice person and I totally got revenge because I was like fuck you bitch and like I guess your actions in this game have consequences but I'm interested to see where that's going to take me story wise Um, and it's just also there's other super like 
the main character's best friend that she finally gets reunited with has all sorts of issues. Like, when you go to her house to just to spend time and catch up with her, like, she's doing drugs, and her uh, stepdad is, like, totally a dick, and, like, he, like, hits her and shit. So there's all these, like, really, like, oh, shit moments where I'm like, oh, I actually care about these characters, and it's, like, freaking me the fuck out. Yeah, it's an episodic game, um, something that Teletubby Games has been doing a lot lately with... Uh... Uh, the Wolf Among Us? The Wolf Among Us and the Walking Dead games and the Game of Thrones. I played all of them except for Game of Thrones. I haven't got to that one yet. Oh, interesting. I haven't played any of those, surprisingly. Uh, the Walking Dead ones, it's not an action. It's not really an action. It's more of a quick time event with uh, RPG elements where you make a decision and you know it can bite you in the ass later in other episodes. But they're some of the best games I've played. Like that, You immediately get sucked into the characters and um, what happens with them. I remember when I was playing, my dad would just sit on the couch and watch me play, because he said it was as good as the show. Oh, absolutely. The The only game that I have any prior experience with that's similar to that would be Heavy Rain. Um, oh, yeah. PlayStation 3. That game, fucking fantastic. I'm pretty sure that got, like, 10 out of 10 on a lot of ratings. But that... Yeah, an emotionally engaging thrill ride from start to finish. Isn't that the truth? It really was. I did have a slight problem with Heavy Rain, because they said... A character could die at any moment, and then it affects the story later, because you just play as multiple characters. And I remember playing a, a file of it, trying to kill every character as quick as I could, and it wasn't until, like, the fourth chapter I could actually kill any of them. Oh, yeah. So there was, like, a scene where it got, like a truck's coming at the guy, and I was like, what if I don't press the button? And he dives out of the way anyway, and the truck just swerves. But if I did hit the pro- hit the button, he would jump out of the way sooner, and the truck wouldn't swerve. Like, that was the only difference. Oh, I actually, I've done that myself. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I know it was by David Kane, who is kind of on par with Stephen, uh, or Peter Molyneux, who they talk big and they promise a lot before the game's actually developed. So it's like, eh, maybe with the next game, David Kane, we won't hype it up as much. It, Heavy Rain was still definitely great, but... Yeah, oh, David Cage. Cage, sorry, yeah. Uh, no worries. But yeah, uh, overall, though, that was a pretty interesting and unique fun thriller i i enjoyed it thoroughly even though i'm pretty sure i mentioned on a previous episode my experience with it everyone died and <laughs> walked free so try to avoid that ending everyone yeah it's always fun to see how well you can play out the like good endings on your first try to see if you actually do it right or if the characters die immediately yeah it was yeah my ending was ultra depressing but <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I really do like those kinds of games, though. They're really fun, and Life is Strange, I think, Episode 3, holy shit, that's going to be coming out in a couple days after this episode airs, so I think the 24th or 26th of April, so I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of depressing games, (laughs) I've uh, recently bought uh, This This War of Mine, which is a fun game, it's a platformer or a 2d sort of side scrolling that's a depressing game micromanaging yeah it's very upsetting it's pretty the premise is pretty much uh a call of duty game except you're in the city not the soldier so the city's being attacked because it's in the middle of a war and you're just like you start off as three guys just trying to survive and it just builds from there and i remember one mission i went on to go scavenge supplies at night and it's just like a small quiet house owned by two elderly couple. And it's just or by an elderly couple. And I was just like, Yeah, sure, I'll go there. And I snuck in and immediately was like, Hey, who's there? I was just like, Oh, he's I didn't know they were still here. And I broke in and just 
hit the guy trying to knock him out so he wouldn't call the cops or I'd get shot or anything. And I didn't realize what the actual like health bar system was yet or like how strong my characters were. So I hit him a few times and I actually killed the guy. And that character I played as when he came back to the um, base, the rest of the game, he's just been completely depressed because he's had to, he had to kill a guy for supplies oh, and he, he knew it was, he knew it wasn't like a soldier or someone who was willing to die. It was just an innocent guy. So it really messes up the characters. It has actual consequences in the game. And it's just very upsetting. Yeah, fuck. So don't get that game if you're in a bad mood, because it'll just put you down that spiral. Good advice. <laughs> That's the thing. I do have a PS3, but I do... At this point, it's you're, you might as well just save your money and upgrade to a PS4. Yeah. I wouldn't... I'm not too worried about it, though, because with the PC, you can get all the DLC when it goes on sale on Steam or something. So you can probably true. still get it cheaper than any console owner. That's very true. That's Steam is just, thanks so much. Like, thanks to Steam, I have so many games that I haven't even played yet. Yeah, I'm not on board with the whole PC Master Race, just because I don't know computers that well. So there's plenty of times where I just screw up, and if I mess up on my computer, I'll lose my entire gaming system. So, But it it's just so hard to argue with Steam when they have sales for games like I believe I got Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero for like six dollars or something. Uh, yeah, this listen to this one. I got all three Bioshock games for twenty bucks. Yeah, like it's hard to argue with that price, and and that was the new one included, and it was like at the time the game came out, like only a few months ago. I was like, what? I was like, you, you'd be an idiot not to. Yeah, it's that's the whole reason I got on board, and because when I move around, you have to bring your computer with you. You don't necessarily have room for a console or a tv and yeah steam's awesome because like i'll just go to my to my girlfriend's or whatever and go on her laptop install steam and there's my games like shit yep matt passed out i'm not passed out no i'm listening no i'm (laughs) I'm still here i promise (laughs) (laughs) no i have nothing um, to say i have nothing to add uh i i use i use steam a little bit um my steam well so I, I honestly don't do any console gaming, right? Like I've got a Wii and a Wii U and then everything is on my PC. And so I, I use Steam for like City Skylines. It's just so much easier than like installing through like Battle.net or what's the other one? Desura. And I so, have no idea. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Well, Battle.net I know. It's becoming more and more infrequent that you'll find a game with like its own installer. I, I think a few exceptions are like Open, uh, open transport tycoon. What, what's what's the name of it? Mm, not ringing a bell. I got no idea. Yeah, Open TTD. That's the name of it. Open TTD. Uh, okay. So Open TTD, you can't. I don't think you can get on Steam, and so you, you have to download installer. But um, I actually had a, a hell of a time with Steam recently. Uh, right around the time where we initially launched, almost better than dragons. We'd done a whole bunch of recording. And I was super interested in getting episode one out there, people listening to it. I'd already sort of committed to a date. And the the problem I immediately had was that my computer was out of hard drive space. And so my situation was that I had a 64 gig SSD that my operating system was on. I had a 250 gig mechanical hard drive that 
most of my large applications were on, including about half of my Steam library. And a new hard drive that was about three terabytes um, that had basically nothing on it except for like backups and large files and uh, audio and video and things like that. And so what I wanted to do, upgrade my SSD to something larger. But in the process, like why do I even need this shitty 250 gig hard drive that's just sort of sitting around. It's like 5,400 RPM. So it's super slow. Um, so I started moving everything off of it. And the last big thing that was on this hard drive was my steam library and steam won't let you just move everything. So what you have to do oh, is, no, yeah, no, you have to uninstall every single thing that's on that hard drive and then redownload it again and install it on a different hard drive. And so I had to uninstall everything, go in, remove the Steam library folder from that. It was just a big mess. And it took me like all day. <laughs> I so, can imagine. Yeah, I wasn't terribly pleased with that. But at the same time, I don't think there's any other platform out there that would, would let you sort, sort of do that very easily. It's, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, nobody anticipates you having to like change hard drives. Interesting. Well, okay. So since, since this episode's heavily steam versus console gaming, um, one downside to console gaming, which I guess it's also on steam too initially, but, uh, the price of gaming, like, can we just talk about that for a little bit this episode? Because it's kind of ridiculous. I feel like despite what the value of the game is, they, they're always slapping a $60 price tag on it. And it doesn't even take like half a year or maybe eight months until the game dramatically has uh, decreased in price. So what incentive does that give anybody to buy a game when it initially launches other than to be the guy that, Oh, I'm the guy who has the game when it first came out. I mean, I'd much rather prefer to just be the guy that waited six months. And it's like, I just got the same game you paid for, for, for $40 less just as a matter of waiting, like patience is a virtue. And if it's going to save me money, then why the fuck wouldn't I? But then we have steam too, which is just like, they have ridiculous sales, but I'll let you guys uh, say something. That's what I mean. Uh, I've had plenty of problems with steam and I know people who've had big issues with, with it as like a game organizer, I guess, or as a library, um, whatever you want to call it necessarily, but as a store to buy games from, it's got to be one of the best because it just has daily sales, uh, weekend sales. Um, every now and then games will go on free, free to play weekends. So they'll just give you a game for two days just to test it out. I've actually beaten games that way. I just wait until it comes back on the free weekend and I play those two days as much as I can. And I've gotten a bunch of achievements for games I don't own. That's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean. It's, it's definitely best the best place to buy games because even on amazon if you get it cheaper if you get it used it's still a certain price um gamestop who, who are we kidding gamestop is garbage they're probably the worst thing they're literally uh robbing you oh yeah but it's it's almost like a monopoly what other game stores are there there's not really too many mom and pop stores for video games and if there are they're struggling they're barely making ends meet so they have to charge whatever they have to to keep Ex the lights on that's how it is at the my local place uh microplay it's 
it's way cooler than GameStop ever could want to be. They have like NES games, they have PlayStation One stuff, like all sorts of the the old everything gaming you need. They have it, but yeah, the prices are kind of jacked up because if they don't jack them up, they're not going to stay in business. That's why I'm interested in a lot of these indie games that we've been playing because I know a ton of them aren't even on Steam. I know I've recently played The Last Constellation and Rogue Light, which I found just off websites, and. Both of them, I believe, were pay-what-you-want, so you could download them for free. But if you want to help support the developers and kind of give back, if you show appreciation for the game you've played, you can donate as much as you want to the developers. So I think for both games, I gave about 3 bucks, not even playing them. So it's a little more faith-based, but it's they were definitely worth it, and I was definitely glad I didn't have to pay a $60 charge for a uh, very short retro style platforming game because just because it's new just because it's new doesn't uh, More importantly, demand those 6 hours i think yeah. microsoft and and sony are definitely seeing that companies like gamestop are in sort of a monopolistic position right so imagine that you're microsoft right you want people to make games for your platform and you want to make money and you want them to make money right but all of a sudden you have this middleman that essentially controls all physical sale of video games, right? So you've got like the big names like Walmart and Target, but a a huge majority is controlled by companies like GameStop. And they can effectively charge whatever the hell they want because they know that you're going to come in, you're going to spend, you know, the however much on like scratch protection or whatever bullshit they're trying to sell you. And so they don't do anything at all other than, take your money and give you a piece of plastic, right? So Microsoft and Sony have this huge incentive to cut GameStop completely out of the equation because it means that there's more money to go around, right? So I think over the next few years, you're going to see sort of the same thing that happened to Blockbuster happen in slow motion for companies like GameStop and others because as Microsoft and Sony roll out their own in-app, or not in-app, but sort of on-console app stores where they sell full-on games, what incentive do you have to go out and buy a, a disc for a game, right? Like a disc gets scratched, a disc... I mean, resale value is essentially zero, you know, especially if you're buying a game like Madden, right? Like if you try and resell Madden, what are you going to get, like five bucks for it? And so... If you're lucky. <laughs> as, as soon as it's out of date, it... It's worthless. And so for Microsoft's position, if they can sell you a Madden game for a reasonable price, you're going to pick it up on there, and then you don't need to worry about having the disc, the disc getting scratched. And when you're done, it's just a throwaway thing. It just sits in your account forever. And so for them, it's hugely lucrative because they're not producing anything. All of the sales go through them, and so they're able to cut out all the middlemen. And so I think probably in 5, 10 years, GameStop just isn't going to exist anymore. There's, there's not going to be any incentive. That makes perfect sense to me. I, I've already bought a few games on the PlayStation Store and just downloaded directly to the PlayStation 3, and it's it's fantastic. So, Yeah, I remember. I know the two GameStops, I think, around me, they're both out of business. Like By the time I came back from school, they were both already shut down. And I thought they were doing pretty well, but you know, clearly they're not with all the digital gaming and the streaming. But I remember buying a game from there. It might have been Spore, the notorious PC game that fucked up my graphics card. Um, I bought it from them and I tried to return it because it ruined my computer. And they said, oh no, we don't return PC games. 
like, what do you mean? He was like, well, you can buy it from us, but you can't take it back. I was like, why? He's like, because you can do too much stuff with it. I was like, I can do the same stuff with a console game. And I, it's just GameStop's policy, or at least the one near me, where they just would not return, uh, take returned PC games. No, that's across the board. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, it, it's it's really terrible. It, it, there's there's always been these game rental services, like Gamefly has been around for a while, um, GameRang. Th- there's a few of them, and they've been around since like the early 2000s, like as soon as games were available on, on disc and, and not cartridge. And they were never successful. And it's because people don't ever want to rent a game, right? Like how often do you like get a game and then you play it for like a week and they're like, Oh, I'm done. And I'm going to send it back. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. 99% of the time for me, I play a game and then I take a break for a few months and I come back to it and I take another break from it and I, you know, get back to it. And with steam, it's, it's incredible because like I could pick something up for like two or three bucks for the same cost of renting a game and then just have it forever. And you know, I can uninstall it. I can install it on a different computer. You don't have to worry about all that nonsense. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at, uh, especially because I've gotten so many games from the good deals that I have games I haven't even, that, that I haven't even played yet, and it's just thanks to their incredible deals. So I don't know. I'm definitely – I don't know what's up with this whole PC Master Race or whatever that whole trend is, but I definitely think you're better off gaming on a PC. It does have its advantages. I don't know if I don't know if it's like a master race thing. Gaming with the PC has a lot of distinct advantages, and there's so many peripherals for the PC. There's so much supporting software. You can do live streaming from the PC. You can't do that from a console in most cases. Oh, PS4, you can. It's not super convenient though. Okay, it's not really. Well, I mean, it's just any console, right? Like setting it up and like punching in your username and making sure it connects and making sure that you know it. You're you're consoles properly hooked up to the internet like on a pc it just works you know you install the software and and either your graphics card accepts it or it doesn't right on a console it's like oh you know is it set up properly and if not like go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) jump through these hoops yeah and on top of that there's all the supporting stuff on the pc right so like if you if you're streaming to twitch you you get like the in-game chat you get all sorts of different things along those lines and if you need to respond to someone or you need to do you know any kind of voice it's straightforward right you've got a microphone you've got your recording device if you want to face cam it whatever on a console it's hit and miss and in a lot of cases it depends on what game you're playing and so certainly that'll get better and that'll improve especially as microsoft and sony and nintendo see people streaming more and more and more and they see how much amazon bought twitch for uh, and react to that. But yeah, I, I think f- f- at least in, in the short term, uh, even developing for PC, right? Like developing a game for a console is a royal pain in the ass. And Microsoft probably makes it the easiest of all of them, but even still developing for the Xbox is no small feat. Whereas developing a game for PC, you can be up and running in an hour. I see, yeah. Well, that's... Going back to what you said earlier, I think we're in the middle of the era where the consoles are phasing out the middleman, and they are being more, instead of being a gaming center now, uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One are trying to be an entertainment center, and they're trying to connect to the internet more, so that way you can just download games and um, stream them right to Twitch. I know Bloodborne has um, certain, 
applications in them where you can just take videos while you're playing and then just upload it right to your Facebook. A buddy of mine has done that a few times now. So it is becoming a little more internet-centric so they can kind of be like PC games. And I love console games. It's just when I moved, it was just inconvenient for me to drag around a TV and a console when I could just already have my monitor and PC with the games on it. And I remember for the 360, the thing that really sold me was some of the exclusive games. Because back then, Mass Effect was only on the Xbox. And it Mm -hmm. became one of my favorite franchises of all time. And I think even still, I think Mass Effect 1 and 2 were on Steam, but 3 isn't. So if you wanted to play the whole franchise on your computer, you could, but you'd have to carry the data over from your Steam account to your, I think, Origin account, which I don't think is even possible. So you would have to buy all three games separately off Steam. So you do face problems like that. Yeah, I see. No, there there are a lot of challenges, but I I also think that especially in the next year or so, we're going to see a lot of diversification, and we're going to see a lot fewer uh, console specific or or platform specific, I should say, games. Uh, if you look at what Nintendo's doing, where they're licensing out games to app developers to to distribute on mobile. Um, you're going to start to see Nintendo characters popping up on iOS and Android, right? And just that alone is so monumental because you have this shift from this extremely tightly closed ecosystem where Nintendo characters were only available on Nintendo platforms, right? There was one Super Mario game every couple of years, and it was only available for whatever the latest and greatest device out there was. And now you're going to start to see all of these characters and and this intellectual property opening up to all of these other platforms that all of a sudden you're going to be able to play on. And so I think the same pattern is going to be followed by Microsoft and Sony and and EA and and all of the other big names in in gaming where they say, "You know what? You know, the exclusive deals are great, but we get longer lasting sales." Cuz I mean, imagine this. I'm EA and I've got this fantastic new game that I'm releasing and uh microsoft calls me up and they say we want to make a deal we want you to make this game only available on the xbox two right and so you know i i say all right millions and millions of dollars that sounds great to me i release this game it goes out on the xbox two i sell let's say for the sake of argument a hundred thousand copies right it's not hugely popular so a hundred thousand copies that's it that's all you get and as soon as that console is obsolete, nobody is ever buying that game again, right? They're never going to yeah. forward port it because the agreement doesn't allow that. They're never going to port it to another platform because the agreement doesn't allow that. That game is stuck on that platform. And Sony, or EA rather, will never make any more money off of that game. Whereas if you look at you know a wider distribution model where they say, we're going to not do that, we're not going to make it exclusive, all of a sudden... You know, they release it on whatever platforms they decide to release it on, and they sell maybe, let's say, 60,000 copies on each platform, right? All of a sudden, even though you sell less per platform, you're selling more overall. And more importantly, you have the option to sell that game again in the future. And that's something that game companies have really forgotten. They're, they're getting back to their roots where you, know, you can bring a game back and sell it again. And people will still buy it because nostalgia and being able to remake it, remaster it, and redo all the graphics. And Steam has been at the forefront of that, where you have these really old games like Grim Fandango and 
Oh God, what are some of the other ones that I've been playing lately? Games Odyssey. Yeah, and some like the old uh, Civ games and like SimCity Four. Like, good fucking luck if you want to get SimCity Four running on like Windows Seven or Windows Eight. But if you install through Steam, it just well, I guess it's not Steam, but you know, like the Steam like platform, it just works, yeah. right? And so. In 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 the coming years, I think we're going to see a lot fewer uh, of these special exclusive deals where where these companies have these ridiculous. You need to get a PlayStation whatever to play this game, and you're going to play it for like four hours, and then that's going to be it. It's just not going to happen. Well, I agree. I'm not sure if it was necessarily intended to be sort of a swaying argument versus downloading versus buying the physical copy. But I remember when Bayonetta 2 came out on the Wii U, um, people who bought the physical copy were able to put it on their Wii U. I think it installed maybe less than half an hour, so you could just start playing right away. And it also gave you a copy of Bayonetta 1 on it as well. Whereas if you bought it digitally and just downloaded it, you didn't get the copy of Bayonetta 1, and it took like maybe four hours to download the entire game through the Wii U. So I don't know if it was intentional that they tried to make more people buy the physical copy, but I know people who, after they bought the digital copy, weren't buying any more stuff on Wii U digitally because it just takes so much longer to download versus having just a disc you can just pop in. Hmm. Personal preferences. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Certainly, there's going to be people forever that are going to be like, "I want my, I want my physical copy of the game because what if, what if my account disappears in the future?" And they're they're all yeah. going to be very love- upset. I love the smell of a new game. Yeah. <laughs> you can have people like that until the end of time, right? Like you can you could probably buy like Windows 8 on floppy, right? Like if you really needed it, you could find somebody out there that's put like a copy of Windows 8 onto floppy disks. Should you do it? Absolutely not. <laughs> like <laughs> But I mean it's going to be the same thing in the future. It, it, you're you're not going to be able to find physical media and the physical media that you will be able to find is going to be like this weird esoteric stuff and and kids are going to say why would I ever why would I ever get one of those, right? Like I can't put a CD into my or a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever the fuck they come on into my iPad, right? Like I can't put one of these discs into this console device that I bought because it doesn't have a disc slot anymore, right? Like the, the consoles of the future, why would you even bother putting one of these disc drives in it if you don't want people to use discs anymore? <laughs> you know? And save yourself the the hardware cost of of you know all of the the optical technology. Yeah, a lot of laptops are like that these days. I mean for what it's worth, let me ask you guys something. Of all of the optical media that you own, right? CDs, DVDs, games, etc. What have you used in the last three months, right? The last three months, think about all the optical media that you, you've used. I can almost guarantee you, without hearing your responses, that it's all been games. Pretty much exclusively other than Blu-ray, which is uh, a benefit of the PlayStation 3 that I really enjoy... Um, and hence having that, I've been building a Blu-ray collection to a degree. It's not like much, but like certain like anime and movies I enjoy. So it's either that, and then also I um I use CDs in my car as I drive. That's my main uh, method of music on the go. Yeah, uh, CDs. It's almost exclusively just in the car now for me because I've gotten some of those tape deck uh uh 
was it transmitters or converters for the iPad or iPod, and they've just never worked for me. It always skips anytime I hit a small pothole and yeah, God knows they, being in Pennsylvania, it's every five seconds. They have terrible audio as well. Those, those things. Oh yeah. So I, mean, I mostly just stick to CDs with that. If you had a but, new car though, right. Or like you bought a new stereo and, and you were able to just like hook up an aux cable, right? Oh yeah, I definitely would. Oh, the optical media have... that you use is almost right now. I think for the majority of people is almost exclusively games. Oh, wait, also, yeah, and, and just other things you need to install for, like, say, I don't know, antivirus or um, stuff like that. You, that you, you can pay get for physical. antivirus? Um, no, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I uh, with the Surface Pro, for instance, they were like, well, you get this free antivirus, and there was, like, three options, like Kaspersky, which I thought was pronounced Kaspersky, which I'm an idiot at. Kaspersky. <laughs> um, but, uh... Yeah, so I thought I might as well make fun of myself there. And then the other one was Webroot and, what was it, McAfee or something. So, and yeah, I, I forget which one I went up, ended up going with because I don't even use it. But yeah, they they gave me a physical disk, so I guess... Do you even have theory, a disk drive on that? that? Do you have a disk drive on your Surface? No, I do not. Yeah. So how would you even use that disk? That's uh, I'd have to use an external optical okay. drive. Yeah, I was... <laughs> Well, actually, in fact, wait, in fact, I think, though, there is probably some kind of download option. I just never even opened it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like in today's day and age, optical media is dead. The only people using optical media are Blu-ray, which I would say is probably a very minor use case, right? Considering, because when you look at the amount of digital streaming of movies you can buy you can actually go to the store and buy a digital download of a movie and it'll stream right other than that it, it, like it's only games they're only selling games and i i would i would almost bet you that the people that make these optical media devices are shitting Sweating. their pants right now yeah, yeah. because what are they going to do you know 10 15 years from now when all the games are are digital they're all they're all downloadable Right there, there, there also is just the music industry in general. Like I don't foresee CDs as a a primary method of listening to music going out the window anytime soon because it's just what everybody's used to. But then again, everybody also does have iPods and their iPhones, and everyone has their music on the go with them. So there is real no need for it. But it's also the same thing with the whole. There's certain people that just like having physical collections or copies. Um, for I myself, for instance, I'm a vinyl collector. I have like a shitload, and I don't know. Hopefully, I'd prefer vinyl replacing CDs because it's just it sounds better. <laughs> Here's a little something to go off tangent since you brought up vinyl. I know a ton of people who prefer the dated technology of vinyl records over an MP3 or a CD version because they say vinyl has that inherent It does. Inherent it completely taste. does. I am an audiophile, and I can tell you that it totally is a noticeable difference. And I can notice that. I'm not a huge music guy, so I can't tell you specifically what it is, but I can tell there is a difference between uh, vinyl versus any other recording. But now I'm hearing people talking about getting cassette and singles of like mo- like recent songs because they think cassettes have this unique audio effect <laughs> now you're what? just being oh. an asshole no no honestly let jerk. me explain that though because at that at that point it's also a collector uh mindset i have a couple cassettes that are like maybe pr- there's only 25 of them in existence and stuff like that so i try to get rare cassettes that are done by like certain screamo artists that i enjoy but yeah i don't get the cassettes for some like 
fantasy idea that, oh yeah, it magically sounds better on cassette. No, that's a vinyl specific thing because that is like the ideal format for, uh, I don't even know, producing music. I mean, yeah, there's no way there's like eight track files who are like, oh no, I only listen to, you know, the latest Foo Fighters album on a track yeah i can't imagine that obnoxious prick like i think those people they're just confused it's more like it it's like you can only really have that mindset when it comes to vinyl because yeah i don't know how to describe it myself what it is about it but it's 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 really hard to describe we'll have to try to find a link and put in in, uh, some kind of information for our listeners if they're interested in it but we don't have to go down that road i'm honestly thinking about starting a whole podcast about like screamo and music <laughs> uh, well i'll just toss my hand to the ring oh i don't listen to it but um when we play uh it came from space and ate our brains i almost exclusively listen to baby metal which is the death metal uh k-pop or j-pop i guess collaboration Oh god, I've never heard of this genre. That uh, sounds ridiculous. It's, I don't think it's a genre yet. I think it's just one band so far. But oh, my fault. I know they're not anything new. I know they've been around for a while, and their videos, I think, have like 30 million views on YouTube. But it's, um, I think, like three teenage girls, like 14, 13 or so, uh, just singing J-pop songs over top of just like heavy screamo metal, like speed metal. <laughs> and it just is great. Nice. And it's completely corporate. It's completely like artificial. Some big cat Japanese business guy is like, you know what's big right now? J-pop. Everyone loves J-pop. And want to know what's really unique? Death metal. Let's put them together. Like <laughs> the girls clearly don't like metal, but they're just doing it because they're told to do it and it's in the band. But I, it's just so good. I love it so much that I completely overlooked that, how hard, artificial and fake it is. Cause it's just, weird and unique but really good at least i think so see all right it's just i guess it depends on what you're looking for in music i'm the kind of guy that i want to experience something that i've never really heard before and something that moves me and i'll just like this is the only example i'm gonna go down but uh listeners check out law disputes album wildlife that album will move you to tears at points if you actually just sit down and listen to this guy it's it's fucking unbelievable so that's just like and i won't i wouldn't say that's screamo but i would i would call it like a new age kind of scrams like it's it's hard to describe it's called the wave technically because that's just some goofy term they made up for their own genre but i'm not going to go down that road but i just like when music is capable of you're capable of relating with the person and and just basically understanding that human emotions are okay to like come to terms with yeah that's one thing i can say is i've never really been touched by music that well that's why i'm not a big music guy oh dude this i mean i've seen them live and it's almost moved me to tears and i mean it's not even like music that you'd expect to be crying to it's like upbeat like kind of hardcore punky shit but the the lyrics literally hit home like he's singing about children dying of cancer um the the topics are just real shit that everybody deals with, and he just is bringing them to light in a in a really creative, artistic manner. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. But um, all right. It looks like we're running a little long here. Do you guys want to play the game, or are you guys trying to cash out for the night? Um, uh, I, we well, we've been going for like an lost. hour and yeah. Let's, okay, let's treat the game as something special. We don't want to do it every time. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Also, I, um, I don't want to try and think of categories for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, true. Very true. 
Um, what, uh, what, uh, is there anything you guys want to say before we sign off? Um, we got a few more interviews lined up. I know one of the games I was talking about earlier, Origami, Origami. Uh, I've been going back and forth with the developers of that, so we're hoping to have them on the show soon. Oh, yeah, and this is a really exciting one. Uh, I'm glad we saved it for the end of the show, if anybody's still with us. Um, <laughs> I hope you didn't just stop listening when we <laughs> got to a terrible topic. Yeah, um, but seriously, tomorrow we're recording with uh, Alex Correa, the co-host of The Attack with Kevin Pereira, so that is going to be exciting. We are Not with Kevin Pereira, but um, the the morning show The Attack on Twitch hosted by Kevin Pereira and Alex Correa is a really um, awesome thing to tune into. I've been checking it out for the past few months and I definitely recommend our listeners to go check it out. Um, but yeah, the co-host of that show is going to be on our show. So that'll be exciting. Nice. And I'm hoping to get in contact with the developers from uh, the lost Const- lost constellation, which is a game I've played. Uh, look it up. It's very unique art style and it's, a simple game, but it was kind of a teaser of a game for the um, A Night into the Woods, the game they're developing soon, and I'm hoping to get into contact with them, because I know I think the lead programmer for, for that game has also done a few other games I've played, so I'm looking, trying to get in contact with him. Nice, awesome. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to do some mashup episodes with our Press Continue friends as well. Yes. Yeah. If, cool. If you don't like uh, listening to us on this podcast, get ready because we're going to invade other ones and ruin those. <laughs> Great. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, well, y- thanks for listening, everybody. You can always check us out at Facebook and Twitter. Uh, our handle is ABT Silence. If you want to get in touch with us via email, you can always email us at almostbetterthansilence at gmail.com. And yeah, we're working on getting our Twitch uh, stream a little more organized. We have dubs streaming more regularly and we're trying to just doctor up the page. So hopefully we'll get that ball rolling and yeah, check out our YouTube channel if you get a chance and maybe also I'm throwing everything at you. Give us a rating on iTunes if you haven't already, cause we really could uh, use them. So, but yeah, anything left? I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. See ya. See ya.